Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Is he good or what? <laughs> well, I've entitled this morning's message, Merely Human or Superhuman? Question mark. Today, we're going to look at the first half of Romans chapter 8, where the Apostle Paul discusses the reality of our being more than merely human. And we're going to look at how understanding the truth of what we are can change the way we think. We can go from thinking merely human thoughts to thinking superhuman thoughts. And thinking superhuman or spiritual thoughts can bring the manifested power of God into our lives. Amen. Now the term merely human comes from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where the Apostle Paul is bringing correction to the Corinthians regarding their playing favorites among the leadership. And he says that by playing favorites, they're acting like they are merely human. And of course, the implication is that they are so much more. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1-4 through 4 says this, the Apostle Paul is speaking, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? And when one says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? The Apostle Paul tells the Corinthians that they're living below their capabilities, spiritually speaking. That they're not walking in their superhumanness. He calls them people of flesh, infants, because they haven't grown in their understanding of what God has done to them through Jesus Christ. Not just for them, but to them. They really don't understand that God has made them more than human. He's actually made them and us superhuman. But because they don't understand what they really are and what God has really done for them, they're content to be babies. And a baby in Christ is someone who knows they're forgiven, but they're not ruling and reigning in life because they haven't changed the way they think. It's that simple. Anyway, the implication is that you can be more because you are more. If you understood what you were, you wouldn't be content to stay where you are. In the rest of chapter 3, the Apostle Paul goes on to explain to the Corinthians why they shouldn't put men, even men like the Apostle Paul, on a pedestal. He tells them that he and others like him are just servants of God, sent to minister to them. In fact, he goes on and says, we're all nothing. And so if you're going to have a contest, who can be the biggest nothing? <laughs> because then Jesus Christ gets all the glory. So whatever callings and giftings they have, they have been given to them by God. And whatever work is accomplished is accomplished through God. And that God is the one who should receive any and all glory and honor. Because he is the one that causes growth in us and in the kingdom. It isn't the minister. It's the one who actually feeds you. That would be by the Holy Spirit. Now, the Corinthians could see that Paul and Apollos and Peter, they all walked and, and operated in supernatural power. But what they didn't realize is that they themselves could walk and operate in the same power of God if they understood what they really were as believers. The Corinthians didn't realize that they were looking at superhumans. Superhumans, full of the Holy Spirit. But 
they were looking at them from a merely human perspective. I want you to get the picture today of yourself as a superhuman. There's all kinds of superheroes out there today, Superman, Batman. They look like they're just human, but in their character, they are so much more. You see, we are superhuman. We have Super Steve and Super Heather and Super Michelle, Super Fred, Super Janet, Super Mark, <laughs> Super Sarah. Yes, we are super, not because of what we've done, but what because he has made us. So the Apostle Paul tells them that they're thinking and acting like they are merely human instead of superhuman. And thinking and acting like a mere human will mess stuff up. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. They actually started causing division in the body of believers in Corinth, and maybe even amongst the leadership as well. It would be like if in our church, if all of you decided you had a favorite, and you only came when Pastor Mark preached. You'd be the Pastor Mark fan club. Or if you only came when Pastor Steve preached because you're of the Pastor Steve fan club or Pastor Valerie fan club. Okay, what that would do, and I've seen it happen in churches where leadership start competing with each other. Who's top dog? <laughs> Who's more anointed? All that nonsense. And Apostle Paul says very clearly, we're all nothing. <laughs> if we want to have a contest, let's see how much nothing we can be. That way Jesus can be everything. They had natural thinking instead of supernatural thinking. They didn't perceive the gifts God gave them, the apostles, the way God saw them. Ministry is about Jesus serving and loving others through us. So when believers think like mere men, they become self-focused instead of focusing on serving and loving others. We need to understand that as believers, we are all superhumans and we all have superpowers because we have the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit all living inside of us. We are not powerless. We have lots of superpower, but we have to remember <laughs> that we have that superpower. What the Apostle Paul tells the Corinthians is that thinking like mere human beings is limiting them. And it's limiting what God can do through them and what God can do for them. So the Apostle Paul, instead of scolding them for all of their human thinking, he says this in 1 Corinthians 3.16. He reminds them what they are. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? In the midst of bringing correction to them, the Apostle Paul, it's like he snaps his finger and says, Hey guys, wake up! Did you forget? <laughs> Did you forget who you are? Did you forget what you are? Did you forget that the God of the universe lives inside of you? Not just us? Obviously you have because you're thinking like mere men instead of like the superhumans that you really are. And he goes on to address their thinking even more. Down in verse 18 he starts, don't fool yourselves. If any of you think you are wise in the things of this world, you will have to become foolish before you can be truly wise. This is because God considers the wisdom of this world to be foolish. It is just as the scriptures say. God catches the wise when they try to outsmart him. The scriptures also say that the Lord knows that the plans made by wise people are useless. 
So stop bragging about what anyone has done. Paul and Apollos and Peter all belong to you. In fact, everything is yours, including the world, life, death, the present, then the future. Everything belongs to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Merely human thinking is small thinking. Small thinking takes away from our life instead of adding to it. If we're thinking merely human thoughts, then we have forgotten that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of God, that we are superhumans and that the Holy Spirit lives in us and we have our very own superpowers. You might be thinking, okay, Pastor Valerie, where did you get this superhuman idea? (laughs) Well, I got it from a definition, Strong's Concordance. One of the things I like to do is when I know God's called me to a certain passage, I read every single word in Esword and see the definition. Because there are things you will be surprised about, (laughs) as I was this time. So the word for spirit in the Greek is pneuma, and this is the Strong's definition. It is a current of air, that is breath, blast, or a breeze. By analogy, or figuratively, it refers to a spirit, that is a human rational soul. By implication, it is the vital principle, that which makes us alive. It is the mental disposition. In other words, if somebody has a negative attitude, we say he has a negative spirit. It's a mental disposition. Or it's a superhuman, an angel or a demon. Now, we understand when we say the word spirit, yep, it's God's spirit, it's the Holy Spirit, it's Christ's spirit, it can be an angel, it can be a demon, but guess what? It can be a superhuman. (laughs) Amen. When I read this word superhuman, it stood out to me just like that. The Lord started talking about this word as a really good word picture of the truth about who we are. You see, one of our biggest problems usually is how we see ourselves. Now, do you see yourself as a superhuman? Most of us would probably say maybe a little tiny superhuman. (laughs) A little bitty baby one. Well, that's because we look at ourselves through merely human eyes. But when God looks at us, he sees a spiritual human, a superhuman with superpowers that he gave us. And the primary superpower that he has given us is the ability to love, the ability to love ourselves and others. So how exactly did we become this superhuman? Well, in chapters 6 and 7 of Romans, we're not going to read it all, but It would be good. (laughs) The Apostle Paul explains what Jesus did for all human beings. He took all of humanity's sins into death. Not just our sins, though. He took us into death. This truth is so important for us to believe and understand that we have already died with Christ. This truth is so important. It changes everything. When it becomes real to us, that God took out that old, stony, crummy heart. He gave us a brand new spirit and a brand new nature. We're no longer merely human. We are now superhuman. We need to see ourselves as a superhuman filled with the power of God. If you've faced any problem with that kind of mentality, I am a superhuman. I have the power of Almighty God inside of me. Move, mountain, and mountains would move. But most of the time, we think we're itty-bitty little baby superhumans. (laughs) 
and that we have to kick that mountain and we have to pray that mountain away and we have to fast it away. And God says, if you knew what you were, that you are a superhuman, you are nothing like that old person that died with Christ. You have been raised. You have been completely transformed. You're no longer merely human and you're no longer left to your own resources. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus and into his death. And then the Holy Spirit raises us to new life. God gives us a new spirit. That's just it. God didn't cram himself into an old, crummy spirit, (laughs) an old, crummy human. We have to recognize that we truly are a completely new creation. New spirit, new nature, completely different. We look human. We look the same. I remember when I got saved, I was like, they keep telling me I'm brand new, but I look the same to me. (laughs) I don't look any different at all. (laughs) That's because I was looking at myself through merely human eyes and not through the eyes of Christ. We are still human, but we're not merely human anymore. Now, we're spiritually alive humans. And that makes us superhumans. We have an advantage over the man who has not received Christ. As superhumans, we are now a fit bride for the Lord Jesus Christ. When God raised us up, he raised us up as the bride of Christ. We are now the perfect marriage partner for Jesus. Think about that. Jesus did not marry down. Have you heard that expression? Somebody will say to a man, wow, you married up. (laughs) And usually the man goes, yes, I did. (laughs) In our own estimation, we would say, we married up. Right? That's not what Jesus thinks. Jesus says, you are a perfect and equal, appropriate mate for me. I have made you equal with me. You are an equal heir. You are a co-heir. Jesus didn't marry down, and we didn't marry up. Now, he really is too good for us in the natural, but we're not natural anymore. We're superhumans. (laughs) We are the Eve to the last Adam. Just as God took Eve out of Adam's side as an equal and appropriate partner for him, and told them to rule and reign together in the exact same way God took us out of Christ's side as an equal and appropriate partner and said, rule and reign together. It is the same thing. We are now equal and appropriate partners for the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was a superhuman man who wanted a superhuman bride. But just like the first Adam, there wasn't anything on earth (laughs) that was suitable. All Adam had to choose from was animals. There was nothing suitable. When God looked on earth for a bride, there was nothing suitable, nothing equal to Christ. Just as God brought Eve out of Adam, God brought the church out of Christ as an equal and appropriate mate, an equal and appropriate bride for the Lord Jesus Christ. He has made us a superhuman because Jesus was superhuman. He has made us righteous because Jesus is righteous. He has made us like him so that we could be one with him. Now, if the idea of being superhuman or equal in standing with Christ before the Father makes us uncomfortable, then we don't know what we really are. And we don't really understand what Jesus did for us. 
And just like the Corinthians who forgot what they were, we will think like mere humans instead of thinking like superhumans that we really are. And our small, merely human thinking will limit how much of God's goodness is manifested in our lives. Now, the Apostle Paul addresses the Romans both on what they are and how they think. In Romans 8, verses 8 and 9, he says this. He's addressing what they are. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. We see in these two verses the difference between flesh people and spirit people, between merely human and superhuman. To be in the flesh means their source of life comes from their flesh. They're not connected to any other life source. They're not born of God. So they still have that old, crummy, stony heart and that old, crummy, dead, disconnected spirit. (laughs) And all that they have at their disposal is merely human thinking, merely human understanding. And that none of that merely human thinking can appropriate the life of God. To be in the Spirit refers to born-again believers who have their life source in the Holy Spirit. We have the entire kingdom of God at our disposal through the Holy Spirit. So in the flesh and in the Spirit refers to what we are all of the time apart from our behavior. Now, I was a good old-fashioned charismatic. You know what that meant? That means you were jumping in and out of the spirit all the time. (laughs) You were jumping in and out of the flesh all the time. (laughs) You didn't know what you were. (laughs) And yet the word is very clear. I am in the spirit all the time. People who are not born again are in the flesh all the time. They have no access to the spiritual realm, the appropriate spiritual realm. (laughs) We don't jump in and out. We stay the same, even if our behavior says otherwise, because my behavior doesn't make me what I am. What I am should eventually affect my behavior. (laughs) The more we understand what we are, what Jesus has done, the more we are going to act just like Jesus. The more that I renew my mind, the fact that I am already a superhuman, you know, with 220 on each side from Jesus Christ, (laughs) that these paddles can zap you and bring you healing. When I get that manifestation, when I get that reality going, it will change the way I live. Because I'm not going to want to live low. I'm not going to want to look like an unfit bride. I'm going to want to demonstrate my equal and appropriateness as Christ's bride. Now, this, of course, does not mean behavior is not important. So first he addresses what they are, that they're whatever they are, they are that all the time. (laughs) You are in the spirit. You are born again. That never changes. But he does talk about our behavior. In verses 5 through 8, it says this, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. All believers have something called flesh. It is our natural physical man, and it is also the natural, merely human way of thinking. It includes the way our brain works naturally. Not all natural thinking is sinful, but all sinful thinking is natural. 
Okay. I want you to get a picture of your brain. You see pictures of brain? There's two sides, right? Looks like cauliflower with a <laughs> little crease in the middle there. <laughs> it has two sides, a left and a right. Technically, the left side of our brain is the logical, reasoning, and calculating side. It is the side of our brain that loves justice. It is the side of our brain that is black and white. It is right and wrong. The left side of our brain really likes the law. <laughs> the left side of the brain really likes the rules. If we think thoughts from the left side of our brain, they're going to be more flesh-minded, carly-minded. It is from this side of the brain that we try to fix ourselves. We try to figure out stuff on our own. It's us trying to make things happen the way we want. It's self-effort. You see, an unborn-again man, that's all he has to draw from. What are the rules? How do I justify myself? <laughs> I get to decide what's right and wrong. That's all he has to access. But there's a different side. The right side of our brain is more intuitive, more creative, more playful, more spiritual. It's actually the love side of our brain. Your physical brain, all of your love thoughts and love feelings are generated on the right side of your brain. So the right side is where the feelings and thoughts of love come from. Now, both sides of our brain produce natural thoughts. Again, all natural thoughts are not all sinful, but all sinful thoughts are natural. <laughs> you know, there are natural thoughts like, good morning, I'm making up my grocery list, natural thinking. Okay? God doesn't tell us to get rid of our brain, but he wants us to understand it. God actually uses both parts of our brain, but God is love. So the number one superpower that he gives us as superhumans is love. The picture I want you to see is that one side of your brain leans more on self, and one side of your brain leans more on love, naturally speaking. But we're not just limited to natural thinking, because we're not merely human. We are now superhumans. Our Heavenly Father has raised us from the dead. He has given us a brand new spirit, a brand new heart, and he's filled us with love. God is love. God is power, and love and power work together all the time. So we understand we have two sides of our brain. Even the natural man can choose which thoughts he wants, right? So we can too. <laughs> so even believers think natural thoughts all of the time, and God interrupts those natural thoughts. Often that's exactly how you can tell it's him, because you're like, well, that wasn't me. <laughs> The Apostle Paul tells us that how we choose to think consistently will produce corresponding fruit in our lives. He says being spiritually minded, that's the love side of your brain, being spiritually minded is life and peace. But if you're not in peace, then you're not thinking God's thoughts. Bottom line, if we are not in peace about something, we have not yet heard the Father's thoughts. But we are not prisoners to our thoughts either. We can choose to think the very thoughts of God because God has given us superpowers, the very mind of Christ. We are not without resources. We are not left to our own. We are not like unregenerated men who can only think merely human thoughts. We can think like the superhumans that he has made us to be. We can choose to see ourselves the way he sees us. We can begin to believe that all things are possible in Christ, that we really are more than conquerors through him, and that nothing's impossible. He has made us superhuman and filled us with himself so that we can choose to think his thoughts. Recently, God revealed this truth to me, 
that how our brain works. Now, I remember this from before as well, because Christians fall into this natural thinking all the time, and they think it's just them. They think it's their superhuman doing this to them, and it's not. It's that old programming. Recently, I went to visit a family member, and I ended up having a very spirited discussion, (laughs) which included topics like grace and faith and gifts of the Spirit, the differences in Bible versions, and the salvation of family members who are currently walking after the flesh. (laughs) It was all over the board. We were voicing our opinions. This is something we've done for years. Our relationship has always been this way. We've always had spirited discussions. (laughs) But we're family, and we love each other. And we just accept the fact that we think differently about things. It's no big deal. So throughout my discussion, I realized while I was having it that I had a goal. My goal was love. I was looking for ways to let them win. I was looking for ways to serve. I'm like, I'm going to love you. In fact, I even said in my frustration, I can love you all day long. I just can't agree with you. (laughs) I love you, but sorry. (laughs) I disagree on these certain things. I didn't realize it at the time, but God was going to show me later why it was important that my goal was simply to love, to share, to participate. In the midst of all this, I was trying to bring the conversation back to the fact that, look, our differences don't matter. What matters is Jesus Christ. I know you know Jesus. You know I know Jesus. We don't have to argue about the rest. If you want to share, I'm all about sharing. (laughs) If you want to argue, (laughs) that's really useless. In the midst of this spirited discussion, while I'm purposely trying to just love and help them win, find a place of agreement, something happened. And then this spirited discussion turned in a negative direction. And my family member said something very hurtful. And I was sort of stunned by the whole thing. We went from having a very passionate discussion to having a very simple, quiet conversation because my eyes would not stop leaking. I tried to make them stop. (laughs) Stop that. (laughs) You stop that right now. (laughs) And they just kept leaking. And everyone pretended that they couldn't see it. Shortly thereafter, I left. But we parted with hugs and I love yous and see you soons. Because we're family and we love each other. And nothing changes that. But by the time I got home, which was like, you know, an hour later or so, this left side of my brain started to act up. (laughs) This side over here that says right and wrong and black and white and justice and vengeance and... (laughs) My left brain was running amok. It was really funny because I'm standing in my living room and this starts to come up. I mean... It's been an hour, at least, since all this has taken place. And just ever so quietly, my brain says, Oh, you should have said this. Oh, you should have said that. (laughs) You should have cut them off right at the knees. (laughs) And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. None of this came up when I was with my family. None of that came up inside of me at all. But now it's coming up. So it's like, okay, Lord. What is this? (laughs) And the Lord reminded me about how our left brain works. When you're cut off in traffic, 
You don't have to think about being angry. Your brain will help you. I mean, you will be instantly in flames without even thinking about it. That's your natural brain. That's your brain says, danger, danger, Will Robinson, danger, danger. (laughs) Warning, warning, let me help you, let me protect you. That's what anger tries to do for us, it tries to protect us. But while left brain also loves justice, see? A natural man has no ability to differentiate between what's simply natural and what's of God. So while I was standing there having this conversation with God going, okay, why is this coming up now? None of this came up when I was with my family. And the Lord told me, he says, it's because you had a goal. Your goal wasn't to win. Your goal wasn't to be right. Your goal wasn't to change their mind. Your goal was to love. And he says, it was your goal that kept you in the right state of mind. Natural thinking happens to everybody. When the Lord told me that I was able to stay in love because love was my goal, he said, you actually won. You see, that's usually what arguments are about, aren't they? It's about winning. That's what it was for the other person. But for me, my goal was to love. That was my superpower. That was the superpower that overrode my natural thinking without me even trying, simply because my goal was to stay in love. The superpower of love took over my natural, merely human thinking while I was with my family. I was so intent on loving, the love overtook my natural left brain, and those natural defensive thoughts didn't come up until later, when my natural brain tried to help me. Those natural thoughts, they don't just happen once. They don't just say, oh, you should have, oh, you could have. You dismiss it, right? It doesn't go away. It just keeps knocking. (laughs) It says, I'm not going to wait until you answer me. You see, when I first asked the Lord why this didn't happen earlier, and he said, because your goal was love, that love overtook me earlier and prevented me from acting ugly. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Those thoughts, when he told me that, they quieted right down. When I heard God's point of view, those natural thoughts quieted down for a while. Wasn't very long before there they were again. And I'm like, why are they coming back? We've already talked about this, Lord. Why are they coming back? And I thought, do I need to forgive them? God said, are you holding anything against them? No. (laughs) That's you trying to fix you. A lot of this is, is in the church, too. A lot of times we've been told that when someone hurts us, if we forgive them, the pain will go away. Have you heard that one? Yeah. Or they think they haven't forgiven because they still hurt. Well, see, that's you trying to fix you. That's your left brain saying, let me help you. The antidote to this problem, this injustice, is just forgive them. And it sounds right. But you know, I can forgive you. I cannot have all against you, but I can still be hurt. You see, my goal with my family was to stay in love. I held nothing against them. I didn't have anything to forgive. But I had an owie. <laughs> they hurt me. See, forgiveness doesn't fix pain. But we seem to think that it does. But it's really our natural brain trying to help us fix ourselves. Is it possible for us to fix ourselves? No. (laughs) It doesn't work. You can forgive all day long and until the owie is healed, it will hurt. It's the owie that's the problem. Our brain tries to help us fix it. 
Healing doesn't come from what we do. Healing comes from what Jesus has done. Our natural brain will always tell us we need to do something. The truth is we need to believe something. Healing comes when Jesus reveals the truth of what we are in him and who we are to him and through him. Healing comes when we recognize the truth that all things are ours in Christ Jesus. But these thoughts kept coming, so I finally asked, okay, Lord, how do I make it stop? (laughs) I understand I did the right thing by the power and mercy and goodness of Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. I did the right thing. How do I turn my brain off? Because it's still demanding justice. The Lord said, give it what it wants. It wants justice. Give it justice. I knew instantly what he meant. You see, my natural brain doesn't automatically think the thoughts of God. So I had to take my brain to the truth of God's word. And I began to meditate just for a few minutes on the truth of what happened to all my sins. You see, on the cross, my Jesus, in his great love for me, took all my punishment for all my sins, for all my mistakes, for all my failures. His back was whipped with the stripes that I deserved. And his back was whipped with the stripes that they deserve. Every sin has received justice in the body of Jesus Christ. And as I meditated on the truth of my Savior's great love for me, my left brain's cry for justice grew silent. You see, love, God's superpower, triumphed over my merely human thinking yet again. You and I can choose how and what we think because of what we are. We are not a mere man anymore. We don't have to think merely human thoughts. We can think the very thoughts of God because he has made us a superhuman. I have a brand new spirit, a brand new nature, and the very mind of Christ. I can operate in any superpower he gives me. And the primary superpower that all the other ones work from is love. If love is our goal, power will come out of our lives. We will walk in power when we're not even trying. Amen? He took us into his death, and he raised us into his life. The more we see ourselves the way he sees us, the more we will realize how much he loves us. The more we will think his thoughts, and the more we think his thoughts, the more we will walk in his manifested love and power. Amen? Father, I thank you for your word and for your truth. And I thank you, Father God, for the brand new superhuman me. You gave me all new parts. You gave me a brand new spirit, a brand new heart, a brand new nature, a brand new mind. My brain may get in the way once in a while, but you gave me the mind of Christ. And you gave me the superpower of love, your kind of love. I thank you, Father God, that I am never powerless. I am not a victim to my thoughts. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. I decide what I think. I decide how I walk. I don't have to walk as a merely natural human being because you have made me a superhuman and given me your very own superhuman power of love. Father, I thank you that we can grow in this. There are times when we fail the test. There are times when I have not been kind. I have not been gentle. I have not made love my goal. But my standing before my Father never changed. 
I didn't go from being in the spirit to being in the flesh. I am always in the spirit. I am always righteous before you. I am always a superhuman in your eyes. I am always a fit bride for my Jesus. Father, I thank you that this works, that the power of God works, the truth of God works, that the word of God works in us and for us and through us. Even when we don't know you're doing it, you're always at work in us and through us and for us. You are bringing us to where you want us to be. You are growing us the way you want to grow us. You are changing us from the inside out so that we look more and more like the beautiful bride we have been made in Jesus Christ. Father, I ask that you bless your children in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.